Hi, this is Erica. Thanks for joining me today for another season of Leadership on the Ground. In this season, we are covering the timing of leadership, which is all about answering the question of when. Time is a precious resource, a non-renewable resource. So learning how to use it, leverage it, and turbocharge it in our life and in our career can be a game changer. Okay, let's get started. You are listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 7, The Timing of Leadership. Throughout the previous six seasons of Leadership on the Ground, we've covered the essential basics of leadership in the 21st century, leading in real time, and the rhythm, tensions, realities, and the context of leadership. So for this new season, we cover the critical discussions around the timing of leadership, which is all about answering the question of when. Learning how to use, leverage, and turbocharge time will be a game changer for you and your organization. And now, here are your hosts, Erica Pietler and Todd Schnick. Good morning and welcome back to The Timing of Leadership. Today, we're going to talk about the timing skill set. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Peetler. Good morning, Erica, the timing skill set. I'm still thinking a lot about last season's context skill set, so I'm looking forward to this. So, heck, I guess when it comes to time, lead us off by grounding us in some definitions regarding investing, spending, or wasting time. Ooh, a quiz. Invest, spend, and waste. Mm-hmm. That's good. No, that that's important. It's important to get some definitions off the table right off the bat. So investing time. Investing time is when you give and you get back later, right? So it has a return on investment. There's a return on your resources. I even, uh, I even put in leadership rigor ROR2, which is a return on your resources and rigor. But there's a return on it, right? So there's a give and a get. And it's a smart move in a lot of cases. When you spend time, spending time is good too, but usually spending time is self-satisfaction, personal fulfillment. You know, it's joy, happiness. It's I'm spending time with my family. I'm spending time with my friends. I'm spending time doing things I love and I'm, I'm investing in my hobbies. Awesome. Spending time is great. When you're wasting time, and this is the more challenging one, you're giving your time, but you're frustrated and you feel like you made a bad choice. And in business, this could be a problem because then you can have some resentment. You could damage your relationship. It may even cause disengagement if you feel like your time is being wasted. So a couple of basic definitions to get us started. But this idea of wasting time has a lot to do with the context of leadership too, right? It does. And if I don't understand, you know, the why we're doing it, it can feel like a waste of time. And it can go back to why am I disengaged? Well, I don't see the connection. I don't see the connection between why you're asking me to do this and how this can actually be meaningful. So it doesn't seem meaningful to me. It seems like a waste. But it really could be actually a very valuable thing that you're doing. But the leader didn't make the connection for you. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we could talk for hours on these three concepts of time. The skill set of coaching and developing others, which in my view is the job of a leader, that's that's a good investment of time, yes? That is a clear investment, and that's a great investment. And you're right on. That is the job of the leader, and that is an investment of time that's attempting to get others to higher levels of productivity and, importantly, self-sufficiency. You know, when you coach and develop people and you get them to higher levels of self-sufficiency, 
That gives you the lift that we talk about in altitude, and that productivity comes back to you multiple times over as a return. So thing to watch out for, though, is some people love to coach others and they, you know, they think it's very valuable and it's meaningful, but some don't love to coach. In fact, some people think it's a waste of their time and they get really resentful. They, you know, they get to a point where they think they want to have people working for them and then they get people working for them and the people have needs and they have desires and you got to invest time with them, but you don't want to because you're so busy doing your own work or you don't have the capacity to coach and develop them. And if that's some of the people that you're surrounded by, as a leader, you got to make sure those should be individual contributors and subject matter experts. They shouldn't be leaders of other people. Where do you draw the line between investing time on new learning, on training, on development to to benefit you and the organization versus doing that just because you don't want to do anything else, because you don't want to do the hard work? (laughs) And you're just, well, I'm I'm training here when, when they're not getting their work done. Yeah. So, well, I, it goes back to, and we talked about this in the last episode, as a leader, I'm really clear. I put forth the goals. Here's what I'm expecting. Let's be really clear about what the expectation is and then how you get that done. And the timing, we set timing expectations. You can get it all done at the beginning. You can get it done throughout. You can get it done through the, you know, at the, at the very end, but you got to get it done. So, you know, it's, at the end, you're not going to tell me, well, you know, I did all these training modules and all this kind of stuff. You got to figure out a way to get the job done too. And I'm going to give you that freedom. But if you disappoint on that and you don't fulfill your objectives, that's going to be a problem. Okay. All right. Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This season is made possible by Leadership Rigor, the leadership development framework founded and facilitated by Erica Peeler. Erica Peetler teaches breakthrough performance and productivity strategies for how to lead yourself lead teams, and lead at the organizational level. Everything you think you know about leadership will be turned upside down. Leadership rigor can be experienced through reading the international best-selling book, engaging in one-on-one coaching, or creating a customized team or organizational leadership journey. To achieve breakthrough performance and productivity, visit ericapeetler.com to learn more. That's ericapeetler.com. All right. Back with Erica Peetler. We're talking about the timing skill set. So back to our conversation, investing and coaching and training. I mean, there are obviously still some good and bad choices that we can make regarding where we invest our time in coaching. Yeah. You know, this is such an important question. And I've recently had a couple of conversations with some high potential talent around, yes, this exact subject. There are times when you make a good investment and a bad investment. And, and let me explain this a little bit. If I were going to ask you, you know, where do you think most leaders invest their time coaching and developing other people in the organization? You think that they invest time in their high potentials? You think they invest time in their average performers, their underperformers? Where do you think most people spend their time? Probably the underperformers. (laughs) They do. They actually do. And that is the worst possible Mm. place that you can spend the time. In fact, you know, I I often draw a pie chart and I say, look, about 20% of your organization is high potential, high performers. They're the people who do eight times the productivity of everybody else. And you love those, right? It's that 80-20 rule, like, oh my God, they get so much done. And then you have about 30% of your people who are good, strong performers. You know, they're like, you know, B, B plus, they're A. You have about 30% of your players that are C and D, right? They're just kind of getting by. Probably some of them shouldn't be in your organization. And then you have about 20% who are future high potentials. 
Now, in all honesty, what we tend to do is we take the really high performers and we say, okay, try to shore up the C and D players. And I go, you're putting all of your time in the wrong bucket. You're taking your five to eight times high productivity and you're putting it in the lowest form of return on investment that you can. If you take your high performers and you put their time in coaching the high potential, the exponential multiplier effect of the future of your talent bench is off the charts. But most organizations refuse to do that because they think, oh no, I got to shore up these people because they're lagging behind. Well, you know what? You got to get them out of your organization or you have to have other people who are less productive, maybe some of your average players, help coach and, and develop some of the players that you think could actually get to a higher place. We put all sorts of the wrong time in the wrong places when it comes to coaching people. Yeah, well, you, you partially answered my question. I was going to say, well, what do you do with these underperformers? And you also have to ask the question, are they underperforming because they're out of context? Okay, let's say maybe they are. And I would look there first and I would say, okay, the first place to look is who are they working for? Do they have clear objectives? Have I done my job to make them effective as a leader? Because you may have a leadership problem. You may not have you know, a, a follower problem or a direct report problem. And you have to discern that. One of the ways that I look at that is I say, I don't want to invest time in people who aren't investing time in themselves, right? So if you're disengaged and out of context, let's say, some of that is on me and some of that is on you because you should say to me, hey, I'm feeling disconnected here. It's like, you know, give me a sense of what's going on. Those people who come to me and ask me that or want to know that, to me, they want to help themselves. And then I need to know that, oh man, I got to put more effort in helping them. So it's a little bit of a two-way street. Remind me again, what was the percentage of, of your team that are underperformers? Did you say 30%? 30%. That's significant. It's That's, significant. That is the difference between uh, success or failure. I mean, that, that, so how much of this can also be your hiring process? Oh, it's a lot of it is your hiring process. I mean, you know, a lot of people will hire and here's the biggest mistake that people, you know, uh, they don't invest enough time thinking about what are we hiring for? I like to hire for a blend of the values as well as the skill set. But a lot of hiring managers will say, oh, they have the experience we need, so we're just going to bring them in. Well, what if they don't really match with your culture? What if they don't really jive with it? And now you're investing, spending a lot of time trying to help them, you know, get in line with your values. Why don't you just hire people that are already in alignment with your values? If they're in alignment with your values and they have the skill sets, they're going to hit the ground running. But we don't spend enough time thinking about that and planning for that up front. And let me ask you another, I'm getting free consulting here if you haven't already picked up on this. So it's obviously cost time and money to hire new people if you let someone go. So where do you draw the line on making the decision of it's worthy of trying to save this person or it's time to cut them loose and bring on someone new? Okay, so I'll give you my answer and then I'll give you what I see happening in a lot of organizations. So my answer is I would rather cut bait early and suffer through some of the pain of the gap because that's a high motivator yep. for me to go yep. out there and act on it. When people say, well, I'll just try to carry them along, what happens is they lose track of time. And the month turns into three months and then it's never convenient and the warm body that you know is better than an empty spot that you don't have. And who's going to do that work if we let them go? And that's when you see organizations erode over time because they're carrying these 30% people who are underperformers. So basically, even if everybody else is doing a great job, they're operating at 70% of their capacity, maybe. Or maybe because the high performers are overworking and covering so much more of the load than everybody else. Maybe you're at 100%, but you're in an unfair distribution. And those people could get resentful and maybe not want to stay with you. So nothing is more disempowering and demotivating than watching people get by who are underperformers and who are slags in the system, so to speak, 
when I'm working at five to eight times productivity and I'm like doing all that I can, that's completely demotivating. And a lot of leaders will do that for a really long time. For me, I want to reward my high performers and I want to reward them also with colleagues and peers that are equal to and up to the same level of commitment and challenge that they are. That's when you get a really high performing organization. Yeah, boom. There you go. Okay. So last season we talked about leadership styles and in, in, in the context of the context of leadership. So maybe it's appropriate to talk about these six leadership styles with respect to the timing skill set. Yeah, you know, so the right time and the right context, we said that these two work together. And I keep going back to, you know, wanting to reinforce these six leadership styles because most people don't spend and invest enough time in them. But let me ask you this question and and let me see if I can uh, prompt you. You ever hear of the golden rule? Yes. What's the golden rule? Uh, Do unto others that you want to do to yourself. Exactly. And most of us lead using the golden rule. We say, hey, you know, I kind of like things this way. I'm going to lead this way. What we really need to do in today's world is a more contemporary style of leadership. We need to lead with the platinum rule. You want to take a guess at the platinum rule? I have no idea. (laughs) Lead as others want to be led. Uh So I love headlines. I love, you know, when people are really direct with me and really clear. But other people may want, you know, maybe more questions, maybe more coaching. Or I'm a thinker, so, you know, I got a helmet on. You can throw anything at me. It'll bounce off. But others who are feelers may need more of that affiliative style. They need to know that you're really empathetic and compassionate to where they're coming from and that you're giving them some time to get into some of the things you're asking for. So the big takeaway about when you use certain styles here is today's best contemporary leaders lead with the platinum style. They're in service to you and they're mindful of who you are and where you are and when are you at a point where this style is more beneficial for you than this style because you need it. And they're able to have that agility and they're able to put that out there for you because you need it at this time. But that requires really knowing your team, right? And that process takes time. So again, coaching tip here, as a leader, how do you best, what's your best counsel on how to invest the time to really get to know your team so that you can know which style to leverage? My favorite way to do this is, and we've talked about the dimension of motivation and inspiration. I can't motivate people, but as a leader, I need to know what they're motivated by. So for example, if you're motivated by achievement, if you're motivated by learning, if you're motivated by recognition, that gives me hints about how to inspire you to be the best performer that you can be, but also how to coach you. So if you are looking for recognition, you know, I probably am going to be more affiliative with you and kind of tell the story of how Todd achieved this and this is the struggle that he went through and, you know, kind of being with him in that moment. If you're much more achievement oriented, I might be a little bit more direct with you and say, all right, let me point you in this direction, but you go after it. So understanding the motivations and inspirations can give you some hints in terms of what style. But the other piece that I'm guided by, and we talked about conscious competency, it really comes down to have you done this before, Todd? And what's your confidence level? Because if I know your ability to do it and whether you've done it before and what your current confidence level is, I can also try to pinpoint a style that may be more appropriate based on where you are at this time. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the strategy of time. Erica, before we go, should anyone have questions on any of this, how do they find you? Uh, you can reach out to me at erica at ericapetler.com with any email questions, or you can go to my website, ericapetler.com and send me a note. All right. Todd and Erica signing off for today. We'll see you next week. 